I've been in several conversations this year about favorite Christmas movies. What movies would you put on your it isn't really Christmas unless we've watched it list? You can find any number of articles listing the 10 or 12 or 20 best Christmas movies of all time. And the winners on these lists range from the predictable It's a Wonderful Life and White Christmas to the surprising Die Hard and Bad Santa. Well, there's no accounting for taste. If it never occurred to you to rank Christmas movies, there are lists of movies for people who hate Christmas movies. And you can even find short lists of Christmas movies that pass the Bechdel test. Now, what might you be asking is the Bechdel test. In 1985, cartoonist Alison Bechdel published a strip titled The Rule, in which one woman explains to another that she'll only watch a film if it meets three requirements. It has to have at least two named women in it, they have to speak to each other, and the topic of the conversation has to be about anything other than men. That's the Bechdel test. Some people say the conversation has to be more than fleeting, say 60 seconds at least. If a film passes the test, it doesn't mean it's a good movie. It's just a guide to measure the role of women in films. Only about half the films ever made, Christmas or any other kind of movie, pass the Bechdel test. And as you might imagine, the older movies are less likely to pass than newer ones. So it probably comes as no surprise that our 2,000-plus-year-old Bible has very few scenes that pass the Bechdel test. But today's passage in Luke does. Luke chapter 1 tells the story of two women who are pregnant but shouldn't be. There are men in their lives, but they're silent in this story. Elizabeth's husband, the priest Zechariah, was struck dumb because he doubted the messenger who told him his wife is pregnant. Joseph is only named as Mary's betrothed, and then he disappears until the next chapter. The Bechdel test came into being because throughout most of history and literature, women are seen only through the eyes of men and as an accessory to men. So just imagine how subversive and unexpected Mary and Elizabeth's conversation was in the patriarchal, patriarchal world of antiquity. Not only do Mary and Elizabeth chat, Mary follows their conversation with the longest set of words spoken or sung by a woman in the New Testament, and a poor, young, unmarried, pregnant woman at that. This morning's verses come after the angel Gabriel announces to Mary that she will bear a child and that her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant as well. Mary rushes to see Elizabeth. When Elizabeth greets Mary, her her unborn child recognizes Mary's unborn child and turns a somersault. Elizabeth exclaims that Mary and her unborn child are blessed, and then that's when Mary begins to sing. We know her song as the Magnificat, which, as I told the kids, is named for the first word of the song in Latin. The Magnificat doesn't make it into most Christmas carol collections. 
I don't think Nat King Cole or Barry Manilow ever recorded the Magnificat. Now, I love Christmas carols. They're familiar and they're comforting. But perhaps while we're singing tidings of comfort and joy or all is calm and all is bright, we might remember that it's Mary's song about turning the tables that is the overture, not only to the Christmas story, but to all of Luke's gospel. As with any overture, it's where we first hear the important themes that we'll hear later. Mary's song promises that God brings about wondrous reversals in the world, showing favor to the uncredentialed and ignored, rendering ineffectual the maneuvers of the arrogant, bringing down those who exploit their positions of power, lifting up the poor. The Magnificat isn't cozy or comforting. It's not the cozy or comforting Christmas carol we've come to expect, but it's the Bible's Christmas carol, and it points to the coming of an unexpected Savior. Now I'm going to show you a movie that is on my favorite Christmas movies list. It's only five minutes, and it's called An Unexpected Christmas. The people in it, the children in it, have Australian accents. So that's one reason you might want to come forward to lip read.